0: Yeah, we're glad that you're here. Glad that your kids are here. Uh, Last week, we spent some time praying together. My kids were asking questions. And just as a resource for parents who are trying to lead your kids on how to pray and and what are we doing here, um, open up Matthew 6. Uh, There's a lot in there. Just besides the Lord's Prayer that you've heard and grown up hearing, Jesus talks a lot about prayer and what our posture is in prayer, what God's posture is in prayer. And it's pretty uh, helpful in being able to teach that to your kids. So, um, I am going to pray here in just a second to open us up, but uh, if you have not been here before, we started this last week and be doing this for a little while uh, we 're going to have shorter sermons and have more time spent in prayer together so we 'll break up into small groups of three to five like we did last week, and it worked really well, um, like that group could hear this group praying and vice versa and all across this room, what became was like this concert of prayer. It was really, really beautiful. So all are praying at the same time. So there's kind of a lifted voice to heaven. Uh, if you are live streaming, please uh, pray through the prompts with your family, with your kids, or by yourself if you are by yourself. Um, but the format aside, what we are trying to see happen here very distinct, distinctly is for our increase in appetite for us to want to be in the presence of of Jesus, for us to experience him in his presence. This is why we pray. Prayer is being transported into God's presence. This is why Jesus gives us uh, the ability to talk with God, to be in his presence. Um, Last, uh, a few weeks ago, we were, uh, Eric was preaching. He brought up this this verse from Acts chapter four, verse 13, and it's just been sticking with me talks about um, how these guys who had not been uh, learning a lot, they hadn't been to school and all of that, but it was very clear to people that were looking at these guys, the disciples, that they had been with Jesus, that they had been in his presence, right? This is what prayer does, is it's spending time in his presence and it changes us. And um, now that's a sight you don't see all the time. See, this is one of our prayer requests, actually, that we get our own building with our own lift to go in front of us beeping (laughs) instead of someone else's lift beeping in front of us. But we'll be praying about that later on. Um, But all of our Bible reading, all of our studying, all of our time spent together, speaking the truth and love to one another, it serves a purpose, and that's to be in the presence of our God. That's what we're here for, to take our view off of our lives, to take our view off of each other and put it onto God in heaven. So with that, I'm going to pray and ask God to move in our prayers. Father, thank you for giving us the gift of prayer. Even before Jesus came, you've given us the ability to commune with you, even in sin, even in brokenness, even in hostility toward you, we have the ability to call out on your name and that's something that you've given us and it's a grace that I don't understand, Lord. It just shows your, your heart toward us in our hostility. You're like, no, I, I still want to hear from you. So Lord, would you send your spirit to us to bend our knees toward you, to, to want to, to have a taste for, to have an appetite for, to be in your presence. I ask God that you would do this so that you would be glorified and that we would get great joy, great unity, great movement at Redeemer Church. And it's in Jesus' name I pray through the Spirit, amen. So last week we asked the question, when did God's people first pray? And the context that they first prayed, think of this, sin entered the world, right? Through Adam and Eve, And then God promised Adam and Eve uh, an outlet. He said uh, to Eve, from your offspring will come a son who will crush the serpent's head, who just lied to you, who just deceived you, who just uh, brought and ushered in uh, sin into this world. He says that from your offspring, there's going to come one that will crush his head, and he will only bruise that son's heel And she's thinking, maybe this is Cain. Maybe it's Abel. And then Cain, what does he do? In Genesis 4, he rises up and he kills his brother. So clearly he's not the one who's crushing the serpent's head. He's actually in line with the serpent in in murderous acts. So the the context of which the people cried out to God was one of, it was dismal. They were shattered. They were broken. Their family, the, the first murder had occurred. And at that time, Genesis 4, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So I'm thinking it's pretty doubtful that these people had long, eloquent prayers. Have you ever heard those prayers where somebody tries to teach while they're praying and they're trying to actually say something to someone else, but they're doing it in the context of prayer? This isn't what's happening in Genesis chapter 4. They're calling on God's name. There's not eloquence. They would have been way too desperate for eloquence. Desperate. Have you ever thought about prayer as being a cry out to God with your whole being in desperation, wanting to hear from God? They wanted to have God help them. They were a mess. And it was a change of focus from the family that was just destroyed by sin to God vertically. God, what do you want to see happen? Samuel Chadwick says it very simply, and I think it's Very true. The greatest answer to prayer is more prayer. The greatest answer to us being in God's presence and spending time with Him is that we want more of God's presence and more time with Him. And yet, as you watch people go through the Old Testament, New Testament, to today, people don't pray. Isaiah 43, says, Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob. This is the country that was formed out of the people who began to call on the name of the Lord. And he says, Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. You've been tired of God and his presence. That's such an indictment that we'd be tired of God. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, the condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer. So is the prayer of a church its graceometer, and from it we may judge of the amount of divine working among the people. This is what he said, if God be near a church, it must pray. If he be not there, then one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in, in prayer. This is written by Spurgeon, who is a pastor. He knows what it's like to be a part of a church and to lead a church of people. And he says the condition of the church is accurately gauged by the amount of prayer or the type of prayer that that church has. Fast forward, not from Spurgeon, but from Isaiah to when Jesus came. John chapter 14, he says this. In the context of prayer, he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is crazy. So either Jesus is misinforming us, or there's something there. That when we ask him in his name, when we go to him in prayer, when we say, I want to be in your presence, I want to hear from you, I want your desires, your will, your thing to happen, like whatever it is that you see that you want to, to have happen, Lord, I want to see that, he says, I'll do it in my name, in my will, in my desire, in the things that I want to see happen, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son, then He brings out this thing. He introduces the third person of the Trinity in a new way. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So one of the first names of the Holy Spirit, his name, helper. John 14, John 15, and John 16. He's a helper. And he's another of the same kind as Jesus. So he's saying another divine being, another deity, another person who is of the same character that I am. Another part or person who's part of what we would call Yahweh. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. He called himself Yahweh. He's saying, I'm going to send another helper who's of the same character. He's of the same Yahweh, the third person of the Trinity of God, the spirit, the spirit of truth, the helper Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit of God and he does it within the context he's leaving and they need to be able to call on God's name. And he he says, I'm gonna send someone that's gonna help you pray. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. I will do it if you ask anything in my name. And God sends the Spirit. We see this in the day of Pentecost, et cetera, et cetera. We can talk about that later, but I don't want for us to get past this thing that God says that we need help In prayer. So he sends someone whose name is the helper in the context of prayer. He lives with us, it says. He will be in us. Let me continue reading Jesus' introduction of the Spirit. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Okay? This is a promise of God's presence on you as a believer till the end of time. So the Holy Spirit will come on you when you come to know Jesus. He will be be with you forever, forever, eternity. Even the spirit of truth. Another part of his name is that he is the spirit of truth. He doesn't lie. There's no shifting shadow in the words of the Holy Spirit. There's no darkness. Uh, the, The Bible says that God cannot lie. Why? He is essence is part of the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him or knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus introduces the person of the Holy Spirit so much so that he says not only is he going to be with you around you but he's going to actually live inside of you. He's going to be in you. Your body then becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your your life becomes someone where the Holy Spirit lives. He lives with us, will be in us. Then, it's just very curious that God wants this depth of relationship with us, right? We don't think of it in these terms. We think of it, well, when I pray, I'm going to say these things. I need to make sure I say them so that God hears me. Let's talk about that within the will of Jesus John sixteen seven through 14. We're going to have these up on the screen. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper, here is his name again, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, Jesus' promise. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, his name again, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come." He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, there's a lot there. We could unpack this for, like, books and volumes and days and years. But I don't want you to miss the big thing. He speaks. The Spirit speaks. So you have a people who call on the name of the Lord. It's not a one-way conversation. He speaks. God speaks to you. Yes, we have his word, but also in prayer. He will guide you in this word. He will guide you in glorifying Jesus. And when he speaks, he doesn't speak on his own authority. You have the authority of the Godhead that is behind him. When he speaks, this is what the Godhead wants you to know. So what might our response be when God speaks? Maybe to listen? So what are we doing with all of this? As we've been walking through this time, we have kind of like one main theme that we want to do, and that's to pray like you've never prayed before, right? First Timothy 2.8 says this, I desire then that in every place that the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. This is a very interesting movement. God is saying to men specifically, I want you to pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. I don't know how many of you have been arrested. I have. What's the first thing that they ask you to do when you get arrested? Show me your hands. It's an act of submission. It's an act of, like, you either do that or something bad is going to happen. That's in the context of this, being arrested. But in the context of prayer, raising your hands, you're saying, God, I want you. I am desperate for you. I need to hear you. Everything around me, it's not helping. I want you. Paul says, I desire it. Men in every place should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling, not fighting back to God, not pushing against God, but submitting to God. Being a follower of Jesus means that everybody has to leave something to follow Jesus. Everybody has to submit in some way to follow Jesus because he's God, right? He has eternal life. We're hostile toward him. Um, He has the words of life. Where else would we go? He's the key to eternal life. This is Jesus. You know, right now, one of the ways that Jesus teaches us to pray, if you take your kids through Matthew 6, he says, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a really descriptive phrase that Jesus uses. You know what's happening in heaven right now? Truth is being spoken in heaven right now there are people that are screaming at the top of their voice worthy is the lamb to be who was slain to be given dominion and honor and glory and power forever like that's true Jesus' character is so perfect that these guys are screaming that in heaven right now that worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's true. There's truth that's being screamed and declared in heaven right now. Also, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's being declared in heaven right now. And Jesus says, may the kingdom of heaven, may the will of God in heaven be happening down here. You know what else is happening in heaven? There's no one who's questioning God's goodness. There's no one who is thinking, well, maybe this isn't true. Maybe prayer doesn't work. Maybe, um, I don't know, is God listening? There's nobody who's saying that. They're submitting fully to God. Truth is being expounded. It's being yelled. And they are submitting to the kingdom of God. They're submitting to the rulership of Jesus. They're on their face before God in heaven. And this is the vision set forth by God through Paul. I, I, I want men everywhere to lift holy hands, praying without quarreling or angry or or anger. Psalm 84, which is brought to me this morning, there was twice, two verses that were brought this morning outside of preparation for this that lined up so well. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is speaking. Psalm 84:1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. How lovely is heaven, the place where you're being uh, worshiped and submitted to. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. This is someone who is raising their hands in prayer. This is someone who is submitting themselves to God in the Old Testament. Fast forward to here, what's it going to look like for us to do this? It's the vision that's set forth by the Bible for us to love, to, to submit to, to yell his truth, to pray, to want for his presence to be here, to submit to him. How's that going to look here? Well, We're going to give you some, some time to figure that out. 30 minutes of prayer. So the way we did this last week is we'll have prompts that are going. So break up into small groups of three to five with people that are nearby you. We're going to spend some time praying. And if you kind of hit that lull in the conversation, you're not sure what to pray, or you feel like you've already prayed for everything that's up on the screen, then it's asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray? How do you want me to pray about this? To stop and to listen, because he speaks. That's part of who he is and what he does. He speaks clear from Scripture. So take a moment and ask him how to pray, especially when you hit that lull. So the first thing that I want for us to pray about is that this, 1 Timothy 2, if you want to put that one up there, the prayer prompt, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Again, praying that we would be a church of prayer, not quarreling or angry with each other, Lord, how do you want me to pray about this? How do you want us as a church to pray that we'd be a a church of prayer? Okay, that's the first prompt. Second one, we have less than one year to find a new church home. Like we said, we want our own place with our own distractions. Our lease is going to end a year and two weeks, give or take. So please pray that we would find a new place to meet. And also that our building in Cedar Falls would sell quickly. That's related to where we would find a place to meet because of the funds that would come from that. We had tenants up there. It was a childcare uh, facility that was renting our place, but since we needed to go to month to month to sell the place, they, they left. So um, now we have all the bills to pay up there as well as we have a, a lack of rent. So we need prayer, we need help. So pray that God would bring a deal together, pray that it would sell fast and that it would sell for a lot of money. But ask him, Lord, how do you want me to pray for this? because he speaks, and it's his will, and it's his desire that we submit to. Third prayer prompt, that we'd be a church of truth, that God would purge, conjecture, and assumption, gossip, slander, that we would speak the truth to one another in love. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all the truth, right? If there's conjecture, if there's gossip, if there's slander, it's probably not coming from him because he's the spirit of truth. He doesn't lie. So ask him again, Lord, how do you want me to pray about this? So those are our three prayer prompts. We'll silently change them about every 10 minutes as we're all praying together, but let's just take a half hour and pray and ask God to move on this place. Uh, Get together in your small groups and pray. And then at the end of 30 minutes, I'll come up and we'll start communion. I did this last week and people were like, what? It hasn't been 30 minutes yet. And some people were like, man, I'm really glad he's up there. It's been, feels like an hour. But all that to say is I'll, I'll watch the clock. I'll come back up, transition us into the next part. Thank you.